We got Mike Johnson coming up this hour. Steve Phillips will join us as well. And the Leafs are in action in Jersey tonight. So we'll get to that momentarily. We'll touch on what McDavid did in Buffalo last night. Not that it's a surprise or breaking news. He's been doing it all year. But um, there is some news coming out of L.A. because the Raptors are in L.A. playing the Clippers tomorrow. And I believe this could be the last time they play the Clippers at Crypto.com Arena, formerly known as Staples Center. And the Clippers and the Lakers have been sharing a building forever. And it's the Lakers building. Everyone knows it. It's a Lakers town. And the Clippers are just effectively using it and leasing it out. You know, that's how it's always felt, right? It's a Laker building. It's a Kings building. And the Clippers just have to play there because they need somewhere to play. Well, when Steve Ballmer bought the team, and Ballmer's one of the richest guys in the world, he said, I'm just going to build my own thing. Like, I I don't want to be here anymore. I want my own thing. So he is building the Intuit Dome. And uh, I guess it's set to open for the – 24-25 24-25 season. So I guess they'll go back there one more time. Right. So the 23-24 season will be it. And then if plans all play out the way they're supposed to, 24-25, the Clippers will be on their own in the Intuit Dome. They don't have to worry about sharing anything with the Lakers, the Kings, whatever. But I guess this was a big milestone for whatever reason today. I don't know. I don't know what they started working on exactly uh, right. in terms of the exterior. But there are plans for what could be going on with the interior and that means Steve Ballmer at the podium yelling. Love Are you prepared it. for this, Noodles? I, uh, I have not heard it. I'm assuming you haven't heard it. <laughs> no. Nope. I've just been told this is something we want to play, and I'm yep. assuming the audience wants to hear it and see it as well. Here is Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, on what's going on with the new building in L.A. Toilets! 1,160 toilets and urinals. Three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals. We do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats. So, <laughs> he's jacked up about toilets. Toilets! He likes toilets. Of course, he's got to have the hard hat on for some reason. You know, the goofy yeah. goggles and the safety vest. Um, but, yeah, I guess if you're a fan, you you do appreciate that, you though, do. don't you, Noodles? Honestly, I love it because... This guy is passionate. You're right. Like, he has so much money, he doesn't care. He'll build it. And he's talking about toilets because he wants, like, I guarantee you, he's gone to a game and is like, I need to take a leak. And he stood in line for two minutes and he's like, <laughs> that'll never happen in my building. Everybody's yep. getting their own toilets. What do you say? 1,160 toilets or something ridiculous yeah, like that? Three times the average in the NBA. I didn't know that they kept those type of sure. you know, analytics, but uh, obviously they do. I I kind of I admire him. You'd want to be on his good side and just be like, I want to go along for the ride with this guy because I don't know how he is as an owner. Sounds like his organization is pretty first class. I'm sure he treats the guys amazing and yep. all of that type of stuff. But it's to have somebody who has so much money and they don't care. They'll they'll just spend it and and spend it on a whim mm-hmm. for things that are luxurious for the team they they help the city i think i mean you have to think that everything's gone through it's got to be good for the city good for businesses around it and everything so i would think so i i don't know if the city the state you know contributed at all i I don't get that impression i i get the impression balmer said i'll build it and i will own it write a check and it's mine 
Yeah, I don't think he's like the you know the Flames are in an entrenched battle with the the province of Alberta, or, or especially like the city of Calgary. Like I don't feel like he's battling the state of California to get a little some tax breaks or anything that no. that other organizations go through. I think he's just like I want to build a state of the art you know stadium, have as many toilets as many. I guarantee you, there's going to be like something that is kind of off the off the wall with him. Like I don't know what it is going to be, but it's not going to be a normal stadium. You know, something unique is going to be there'll there. Be, there'll be toilets. In places where you're like, I don't think you need a toilet there. But right. he decided, you know, blueprinting it, toilets. Yeah. You know, like, I don't right. want to walk 15 feet without one, and I want everyone to have access to it, and I want everyone to be able to get back to their seats, and I can I can certainly reason with that. So uh, there you have it. Steve Ballmer is all jacked up. Raptors in L.A. playing the uh, Clippers tomorrow night. I love uh, it. So I'm watching McDavid, as I think the rest of the world generally right. is, and he scores two again last night. So now he's back on pace. He went over the weekend against Winnipeg scoreless. He did not. He didn't score a goal against Winnipeg on that home and home. And then he gets to Buffalo and he pots two. He scored one quick last night. Scores another one. Jacked up too, right? That's what I, yeah. I got to give him. A, I appreciate that. It was like Matthews last year. When this guy scores, he is jacked. Yeah, like he is excited, man. And he should be. You're scoring a yeah. big goal in the National Hockey League. But you start looking at his numbers and where they project to be. Um, it's freakish. It, it really, really is. is freakish. And, you know, we, we spoke about it uh, uh, briefly on Trade Center in a confirm or deny, like how you compare – if you were to score 70, you know, how does it compare to Gretzky's 92 in the early 80s? Right. If he ended up with, you know, 70 and 160 points, how does that compare to, you know, 215 points, I think it was, for Gretzky? Yeah. Uh, I don't, and I don't know, and I know there are websites where you can do that relative to era, and you can adjust yeah. to the era. Yeah, era. And and yeah. there is formula that that you can apply that to. And you know, Ray made the point on Friday that Gretzky was lapping the field. Well, McDavid is there too. I mean, McDavid is lapping the field in terms of points, yeah. and he's now lapping the field in terms of goals. Like there are guys on his heels. He's not going to outscore anyone by twenty-five goals or anything like that. Yeah. But he's going to outscore them by, I think, double digits. And he's going to have, what, 30, 40 more points than anyone else? Yes. It feels that way anyway. Wow. It's crazy what he's doing. It is. I, I said on SportsCenter last night, the, the closest comparison of what we've seen was Lemieux. Or the last time we've seen this was Lemieux in 95-96 where he had 161 points. He had 69 goals, 92 assists for 161 points. Now, Lemieux was doing this, and I will take a shot. I mean, O was having fun with it on the panel when we did Trade Center. But goaltending is different. Goaltending is different from the mid-90s. And, you know, that is probably the most evolved position in the la in pro sports in the last yep. 20 years is no goaltending in the National Hockey League. So McDavid's doing it on goaltenders that, you know, if you took – Vasilevsky and put him in the 90s like it's just it wouldn't be fair it, you know it's it's just the way that that the positions played nowadays so I, I comparison I get it and I'm not going to say you know McDavid's better than Lemieux better than Gretzky all of that type of stuff it, I, I'm not because I don't I never watched Bobby Orr live and that's kind of what everyone talks about we had Bobby Mack on our show the other day saying like Bobby Orr was so far ahead. That's what McDavid is right now. But that being said, 
it's pretty cool to witness him, like to to lay eyes on him, to be in the building. I'll be in Edmonton the other, uh, next week. Like I'm going to lay eyes on him again live. I saw him last weekend uh, in Ottawa. He's going to be here in Toronto. What this weekend? Saturday next, night. Yeah, yeah, Saturday night. So Saturday like night. people in Toronto get an opportunity to lay eyes on a local kid who is. You know, arguably the, the best player ever played. You know, arguably. Yes. So. No. You. You. That's. I think really how to put it into perspective, or how I would put it into perspective, is I. I remember when the Oilers won the lottery, and and when I knew he was going there, and all the hype and all the projection, and he's met the projection, if not exceeded the projection. Right. And at the time, I said, "What's crazy is he's going to an organization where it's impossible for him to be." considered the greatest oiler of all time. Which, like, yeah, it doesn't matter what he it. does. It's just you're not going to beat Gretzky. Like, you can't beat him. And in the – how many years was Gretzky there? Nine years, ten years? He's yeah. not going to pass him because Gretzky had four cups. His numbers are crazy, and it's right. not the same. Like, through eight, nine, ten years, he will not. But if he stays in Edmonton for 15, could the longevity make it a conversation? I think that's possible. And I think the fact that it's possible makes it truly astonishing to me, like truly yeah. astonishing. And I can't speak for the – you're from Edmonton. You can't. I've yeah. never lived in Edmonton. I wasn't there in the 80s. I'm not there now. So I, I can't speak to how fans would, would, would speak on it. I think it would be a fascinating chat, though. I think there would be a great interview there between a, a 65-year-old Oiler fan and a 25-year-old Oiler fan because the right. 65-year-old is probably like Gretzky all day, don't even start. The 25-year-old is probably like – McDavid, 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 but right. he's he's 28 points up on second in the league in points, 28 points up on, on Dreisaitl, and he's 10 goals up on Pasternak. Like, he could conceivably win the Rocket by 10-plus and the Art Ross by 30-plus. Yeah. That's not far off what Gretzky was doing. It, it, I yeah. mean, Gretzky was lapping the field, but in this era – with more teams, more players, everyone system skates well. Play, like systematic system play. System play, short shifts, coaching, analysis, yeah. breakdown, goalies. Yeah. It's incredible what he's doing. It's truly one of the great seasons in NHL history. It is. It's and, one and of the great seasons in NHL history. I had somebody add in to me, like, when did I – again, I'd have to go back and look. I, I should have, when somebody messaged me, looked it up, but, like, now there's overtime three on three. There are some things where, you know, there was ties back then. And, like, yep. you know, there, there's a lot of different things that come into it. But if you're just looking from, like, let's do an 18, you know, 18 miles above the earth, looking down on it and going, hey, this is Gretz what Gretzky did in that era, what McDavid's doing in this era. It's It's impressive to witness. Like, that's where I come back to. You know, I, I hate the comparison and be like, well, this guy was better. I do believe, though, Hayes, it would be a great conversation. I, get, I guarantee you I could ask one of my buddy's dads yes. who literally are huge Oiler fans and grew up in the 80s and, and have been through everything from the minute that the Oilers arrived in Edmonton to where they are now and watching the lean years, watching the first overalls, watching the Cups, all of that. I would love to see where their head is at as yes. far as like a 65-year-old, not the 25-year-old. 25-year-old doesn't know better. 
You know, they, they don't know. Didn't I see find. it. Wasn't alive. And there are people today like, yeah, Bobby Orr, well, that was that in that era. Like, mm-hmm. Bob McKenzie sitting beside us in the studio the other day, you could tell by his body language and the way he spoke that Bobby Orr was something special to him because of, you know, Bobby Orr was right in the wheelhouse of Bobby Mack and Bob McKenzie. Yeah. So he, he, he witnessed greatness live like we are doing, and, you know, 30 years from now, we will be telling our kids, our grandkids, I guess, our kids' kids going, I watched McDavid on a Saturday night in Toronto right. live, you know. Well, or- and that's the truth. And and I think it's also something to remember that when McDavid is all, you know, has packed up his career, there will be another one, yep. right? There will he'll be different, won't be the exact same, but the next one will be here, you know, whether yeah. it's in 10 years, 15, 30, 40. Someone else will come where you'll say, wow, look at this kid. Like, look yeah. what he's doing and look what he's going to bring to the table. And and exactly, I, I usually, you know, rely on my dad for historical references in terms of just purely anecdotal, you know, because, right. again, to your point, I can't break down what Gretzky looked like in 1983. I was born in 83. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that. I, I cannot definitively say, and even pumping it into a computer to me is cheap. Well, if right. you look at it, relatives, to, I don't, I don't, you can't right. drop the mic on that. Right? right, like you can't come up with a, a distinct opinion because of what the computer says McDavid's doing now and Gretzky did then. But I think you rely on people to to just break down the buzz, the vibe. Right. And there's a couple of things that I remember my my dad telling me about Gretzky in particular. One, he he's run a hockey pool for like 40 years. Yeah. And he said Gretzky at his height, he had to put a rule in that if you won the first pick, Gretzky was out of the pool. You couldn't take him. Because it wasn't fair. <laughs> Whoever got him won the yeah, pool. He, yeah, he went by 50 points. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think McDavid's far off. I'm not sure it's fair that he's included in hockey pools. Look at how insane that sounds, but I think it's true. I never thought of it that way. He, he shouldn't be allowed. It's not fair. If you have McDavid, you got a head start. It's like starting a marathon, you know, 10, 10 miles in. <laughs> You know, I've never thought of it that way. He should not be included. He should not be included. I think he deserves the Gretzky treatment in the '80s, and also just the buzz. Right, like being in Toronto, growing up here as a kid, I, I remember. You know, I do remember that. Uh, we're, right. My dad going down there. He's like, Gretzky's in town. Like there was something. It was Gretzky's in town. You got to go. Yeah. And that was a kid, Southern Ontario guy. Grew up down right. the road. You know, played for the Young Nats and the GTHL. Everyone knew about him. He's Ontario's guy. And he was coming home. And McDavid, I think, is there for this generation where you're like, he's coming. He'll be yeah. here Saturday night. you know. Right. And, and it's a different vibe with him compared to everyone else. Well, you're right. Like, Think about it. You get Jason Robertson in the pool, and you're like, man, this guy's killing it. You love him. He's having an amazing season. He's got 38 goals, 42 assists, 80 points. McDavid's got 44 more points than him. Right. And a lot like, more goals. Like it, it's crazy. Like these pools. Like I say, I'm, I'm not in them. But like, when you look at it, it you're right. It's not fair. It's not well, like, you take know. take Drysaddle out, who also is creeping towards unfair. He's got 96 points already. Nobody he's got talks 96. about him. And he's you know he's riding shotgun. A lot of that is you know the power right. play in Edmonton. They're they're and listen, they're not playing on the same line, but they feed off each other. Sure you they take do. him out, and it's even. Bigger. He's 36 points up on the third-place guy. And that's Kucherov, who had 127 points and won the MVP a few years ago. 
Yeah, McDavid's like, at that already, 144. He's, he's already there where Kucherov was. And remember, we were watching Kucherov. We're like, man, this guy is a freak. Yeah. Like an clinic. absolute freak this year. And and that's where McDavid is at. And it just doesn't – it's it's like nothing can slow him down. Well, nothing I, can I, slow him down. I like the fact that it is – I think it's good for the league. I've, I've said this before. To have a guy of this magnitude, like for years it was Sid and Ovi, you know, and they, both of them were were different types of players, you know. Sid's a – we always talk about him being a hardworking grinder who's a superstar, and Ovi wants to just score, and he, he would get excited. But Ovi was, you know, 240 pounds, run guys over. Like McDavid is just – it's a video game, and it's, it's becoming weird because he does things out there you're like – that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, and you can't defend it either. Like it's no. a, you cannot defend it. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, here's Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. Um, we're just talking about McDavid, Johnny, and you know the idea of him rolling through town. He'll be he'll be here on Saturday night. He what he did in Buffalo. He's lapping the field. He's got ten more goals than anyone else in the league. He's got twenty more points than Drysaddle. Thirty six more points than the third place guy at Kucherov. Like. Gretzky, you were young when Gretzky was doing his thing. You were watching it when Lemieux was doing his thing. Like that's kind of where he's at, isn't this Lemieux and Gretzky like compared to what everyone else is doing in the league? Yeah, he's in that same kind of conversation, and I think that that is it. Like whatever era you're talking about, having where goals are scored, like the difference is what's astonishing, right? The difference between him being the best offensive player and whoever you think the second best guy is, whoever it is. He's miles ahead of those players in every way now, goal scoring as well. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Like, we're all in the NHL. We're all being as good as we can be, trying as hard as we can be. And even if that guy's the best, he's not supposed to be able to be that much better than <laughs> everyone else, and yet he is. It's, it's, uh, and I, I start trying to think of like another sport. It'd be like if like the leading scorer in basketball was scoring like 43 a game. You know, he's like 20%, 30% higher than the next best guy. And if you did that in basketball, or if you did that, you know, in in, in football, if someone threw for six thousand yards, the next best guy had forty five hundred. Like that's what he's doing. And I think if it was other than hockey, it would be talked about even more as kind of the incredible nature of of how of how well he's doing this year. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It it really is wild. And I was trying to think of like hypothetical trades. Like, is there a is there a combo combination of players, two players that any team could could offer up in the league where Edmonton would accept it? There's one. Which McKinnon one? McKinnon and McCarr. Yeah, I was just going to say McKinnon thinking. and McCarr. Yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, maybe Matthews and Marner. I mean, maybe, but but McKinnon and McCarr, I think probably would be the one that would get their attention. But yeah, like that, we're talking about you know two of the top five players in the world, and maybe you'd have to think about making a trade for him. Uh, it, it's, it's something. But the wild part, though, is as great as he is, and we just went through why he undeniably is having one of the best seasons in memory, like, the Oilers are just sort of in the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to make it, but it's not like they're home and cooled and comfortable and locked up anything. Like, they're, they're scrapping to not be a wild card team despite the ridiculousness of what he and, for that matter, Drysettle and Nuge and Hyman are all doing this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're all putting up numbers, and, and it feels like they're getting going a little bit, though, doesn't it, Johnny? Like, is it the Ekholm? I mean, Campbell's still a problem. 
Like he's, yeah. yeah. He's well, they're playing the other issue. guy. The Skinner's played well, but Campbell has hit the ditch again. And the, you know, to me, they've they've got to play Skinner in a in a fashion where they're they're feeding off of him. Or the other night, Johnny, I don't know if you saw, but like it was counterproductive with Campbell in the net. They scored five. That was a winnable game against Winnipeg in the back to back, and you end up leaving two points on the table because Campbell just. I mean, he was awful that night. There's no getting around it. Yeah, yeah, and Skinner played really well in Buffalo, actually, to win that yeah. game the other night. So yeah. I, I think the point of experimentation or of rehabilitation of Jack's game or of, you know, massaging him back into that number one spot, I think that ship has sailed. I mean, I think if he plays well enough to get it, good. But I don't think you can do anything but treat Skinner as the starter and Campbell as the backup and rotate them accordingly and give them the right matchups and get prepared for Stuart Skinner who's been more than fine this year. I mean, he's, he's been sort of a, a top 15, 18 goaltender in the league um, and get him ready to be the starter. Cause I, I don't think at this point you can, you can count on Jack to, 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 to get his game together in time to be ready to go to the playoffs. With Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, Johnny calling the game tonight, Leafs devils on TSN four. All right, let me offer up a hypothetical here for you, Johnny. Um, Cause we were talking about this earlier where Morgan Riley's at, where Matthews is at, then even where Murray came up. And I'm like, we're a month and a half out, and your projected number one goalie, your number one defenseman, your number one center have not been at their best or not have been reliable, whether it's based on injuries or what have you, and all three of them have dealt with that. Of those three guys, Murray, Riley, Matthews, if the Leafs could could you know, snap their fingers and they, that guy returns back to his best form, not above and beyond that, but healthy and at his best form, which guy do you think they'd choose? Well, like, is, is Murray's best form like the Penguins from 17? Yes, and like, healthy. Or, and, and, and no, it is probably him then, probably, uh, because he was awesome those first couple of years, uh, an incredible goaltender and, and won those games in the playoffs. Uh, if it's more kind of realistic form, it's Austin Matthews, right? Because they don't have anyone else that can do what he can do. Like Morgan Riley with all the defense around, like you can manage what you ask of him in the playoffs, you can make sure he doesn't have to check too much or match up against their team's best line, and that's okay. And if it's not Murray, you got Samson off, and that's okay. But you don't have anyone else who could do what Austin Matthews does when he's at his best. Last year, he was the best player in the world. He's not been that. He's, he's not been that this year at all. Um, so uh, I, I think realistically, like not taking all the way back with Murray, probably Austin Matthews. I don't think the Leafs. I don't think they go far this year, certainly not through the second round, but maybe not even through the first round without him being better than he's been um, at, for stretches this season. Uh, one of the hallmarks of Austin Matthews was and has been his consistency, and he just hasn't sort of had that level of excellence every game that we are used to seeing out of him, and they need to get him back to that before they start the playoffs. Johnny, what about a guy like Michael Bunting, uh, you know, getting moved around the lineup? What do you yeah. see in that situation? What do you think he needs to do to, you know, kind of get, we'll call it, I, I don't know if he's in the doghouse, but maybe get back into the good graces and maybe get moved up the lineup? Well, I, well he's in the doghouse, and it's a demotion. Okay. I mean, there's no other way to put it. you got taken from Martyrs and Matthews, and you're playing with 
Uh, who's he playing with? Pontus Holmberg and Alex Steves tonight. Like that's tonight. Right. There's no other way to look at it. But <laughs> well, I was yeah. trying to be respectful to the guys. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I know. But even even like, uh, listen, Sheldon, don't act like you're trying to get my game going here. Like I'm getting sent to the to the outer reaches of the lineup. I, I think for him. Now the good thing is Sheldon said, you know, he'll be back. But for Michael Bunting, he's at his best and he's effective when he plays kind of with physicality and with emotion. And with energy, and when he's not so good, you know some of those elements are lacking. And you know, I think Sheldon just kind of wants him to get back that kind of emotional temperature in his game, being under control, but but bringing it. And that's hard. Like I, I I am sympathetic to the challenging challenges to Michael Bunting to try to like bring that irritation. At you want you want the other team to hate you by the end of the every night. Like it's it's a lot. It's demanding, and if you're tired, it's going to be really hard to do. But um, I think he gets back there because while Kerfoot has been good defensively, and I think that's part of why he did it again tonight, because without Tavares, without O'Reilly, I think Austin Matthews is going to have to play against T-shirt or against Hughes or maybe a bit against both of them, and he wants a better defensive player out there, and he trusts Kerfoot more than Bunting defensively, and so that's part of the reason, because I think Kerfoot's last goal was like 18 games ago. So it's not like you know he's getting a bump because he's producing, even though he played well maybe the last couple games. So... Uh, I think it's more of a shock to the system, the bunting, get him to play better so he can get back to that line sooner rather than later. Yeah, it'll be a fun one tonight. Leafs Devils on TSN 4. Enjoy it, Johnny. We'll do it later in the week. All right, boys. Have a good night. Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. And Kerfoot, a better skater as well. Like, this Devils team can skate. They can skate. And that could, could factor in the defensive side, keeping up. Like, that'll be interesting to see. You know, with, with O'Reilly out and Tavares out, those are those are two big absences. And Shen's out. Gustafson's not going to play on the back end. Samson off in net. It's a big. I think it's a moment well, for the Leafs, right? Sure I think they got to show up tonight. I expect and, they will. And depth down the middle, like Sam Lafferty's playing center ice. Is mm-hmm. that second line center? Like looks a lot different when you you know that was the with the acquisition. It was Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly type of thing down the middle, and now it's. No, just, I mean, for tonight, let's not get crazy because if Tavares is playing Saturday, then looks a lot different. But tonight, it's a it's a leaner roster. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Our best bets brought to you by FanDuel later in the hour. Steve Phillips will join us on the Vladdy injury. Doesn't seem concerning. You say Kikuchi looking pretty good. The pitch clock early in spring. What's he thinking about all that? Steve will join us next. If you were yeah. tuned in earlier, we came out of the gate hot because Danny Dimes is getting paid. <laughs> His boy loves Daniel Jones. And the Giants gave him a, a four-year deal, $160 million, bunch of guaranteed money. But that is not the big news of the day. The big news is Lamar Jackson getting a non-exclusive franchise tag, which means other teams can negotiate. And then if he signs with them, they go back to Baltimore. Baltimore can either match or Baltimore will get two first-rounders. And it's interesting because a lot of reports are already coming out from teams you would think would be interested in him saying they're not. And I just saw J.J. Watt tweet out, and and J.J.'s recently retired, uh, asking this question, somewhat of a rhetorical question. Why are all of these teams so publicly out on Lamar Jackson, an MVP winner in his prime and the most important position in the entire NFL? What am I missing here? Right. And I, I think a lot of people are wondering that. Like, the reports came out immediately that Atlanta's not in on him. Like, right. what is Atlanta doing? Like, fine, you may not love Lamar. You may not think he's a 
per, you know, he's not a pocket passer. He's had injury issues. You know, maybe he's not going out of Baltimore the best way. You know, the injury and whether he should have played through it and all that. You can all have your opinion right. on it. But he is, when healthy, an elite quarterback and a lot better than anything they have or anything they've had right. for quite some time. And, like, J.J. Watt is – sounds like it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, is there collusion going on here? Like, are the owners right. coming together and saying, we got to stop with the quarterbacks well, making all this guaranteed money? But does he have a – like, does Lamar have a bad rap, like, as far as attitude? Is no, had, I don't believe you know, so. Like, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't seem like that. So, you're right. It it, it kind of does, you know, reek of something there. Like, what's going on? Like, the, the whole picture is not being laid out. J.J. Right. Watt's kind of calling it to the carpet. Like, if Derek Carr's getting the red carpet treatment, Lamar yeah. should be getting that plus some, yeah. right? And, and that doesn't mean that won't happen. But it is kind of interesting how many teams have quickly come out or leaked through the media, not interested, not going into it. Something's right. up there. Um, so we're into spring training. The pitch clock has been established. Vladdy's a little bit banged <laughs> up. You say Kikuchi's a stud. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Here's our uh, TSN MLB and Blue Jay analyst, Steve Phillips. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be with you. By the way, I heard you talking on the Lamar Jackson thing. And, you know, I mean, as a former GM, uh, the way I look at it is that if it doesn't make sense, there's something I don't know, right? Like there's something missing in the story. And, and at some point it will come out, whether it's relationships with teammates, you know, off the field, uh, something because it, when it doesn't make sense, it just means there's something that we don't know. Because every team should have interest. That, that you know, the Atlanta Falcons. Come on, I mean, are you kidding me? There's plenty right. of teams where Lamar Jackson would be a significant upgrade. And why wouldn't you be in at least until you find out what the price is and what it's going to cost you, and then you can get out of it. But to get out on the front end, it means they know something that we don't. And at some point, I suspect we'll find out what it is. Yeah, I, I think you're yeah. you're probably onto something. But again, there's and this is somewhat of a conspiracy theory right now, is that are the owners pushing back because of the Watson deal, because of the guaranteed money? You know what's going on here with Lamar and, and him maybe trying to get himself out. Like, I, I'm curious, Steve. Have you ever? Did you at any point go to your owner with something you thought was obvious? Like, obviously, we want this guy. And if he said no to you, did you can you pry on that? Or if he said no, are you are you thinking why? Like what do the owners know that I don't know? I'm the baseball guy. Yeah. So you know, like yeah. what's so going on? Here? Yeah, I I think that I, I don't look at it as collusion. I really don't. I mean, here's the thing. If 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 that's going on, it will get out. Like if there's collusion on it. I, I really truly don't believe there is. I think that that uh you know, owners aren't trying to control quarterbacks because Derek Carr wouldn't get the deal he's getting, and, and <laughs> Daniel Jones wouldn't get the deal he's getting if they're trying to if they're trying to control this stuff. And so, you know, all it takes is one team to make the deal. And you know, what? Who doesn't want to win? And if I've got a better chance of getting to the playoffs with Lamar Jackson as my quarterback, I'm going to pay him the price, whatever it's going to take to get him. And here's the thing. If everybody else is out, great. Then I'll get him at a better price. But there's right. always going to be that team that wants to win. I, I, there's no chance that there's a major – because that stuff leaks out. And I will tell you, you know, when I was Mets general manager, I, if there was ever something going on, I would have known it in baseball, and I never once heard it. Now, again, they did it in the 80s, but it got out, right? And they ended up paying a price for it. Uh, sooner or later, that stuff never stays quiet, and those secrets leak. Well, they're also the most obvious answer might be right in front of us that the whole league knows he's going to bring right. it back to Baltimore, and they're just going to match anyway. So it's like, right. why are we wasting our time? 
you know, we're just right. we're going to do the dirty work for Baltimore. They're going to match, and then you know you're, you're going to move on. Anyway. Well, then again, I then again, why not play that game? Uh, yeah. If Baltimore if it's going to run the price up on Baltimore, then why wouldn't I want to get in on it just to limit where else they can go with under the salary cap? And so there is some part of it that uh, I would be willing to play that game. Uh, even if, if I'm talking to the agent, look, I don't really have this, but I'm in on it to be able to help you run the price up and get up for Baltimore because it's better from a competitive point of view. So, you know, that's the Red Sox-Yankee thing where they would all get in on each other's guys trying to run the price up on each other. And so even then you would think somebody would play the game with the agent. Yeah, I agree. Well, bringing it over to the Blue Jays on a segue is, uh, are you concerned about Vladdy being injured this early in spring training? Well, you know, I, I mean, I ne- you never want it. And these are the sorts of things that can linger and can nag. But if you're going to get one of these, you know, sort of tweaks, now is the time to get it so that you can, you know, rest it. There's plenty of time still to get them ready for the season. There's no reason to rush. They did the right thing, pull them out of the WBC. It doesn't seem like there's anything significant really going on there. Uh, and, and even if there was, you know, it would be a, a, a scope to debreed it, clean it out, and, and he'd be back in a couple of weeks most likely anyways. And so I'm really not concerned about it. Uh, and nobody else seems to be overly concerned either. And so, and look, if he does miss a little bit of time, Brandon Bell can certainly play from first base. We know he can do that. We want to try to keep him off. You know, the knees are an issue on the turf a little bit, but you can Kirk can DH, and, and they'll have some options as to where they want to go. But but I, I'm not overly concerned. I'm really not. It doesn't seem like anybody there is. I'll be in Blue Jays camp on Saturday and potentially Sunday to get a better sense of things. Uh, but from every indication I've gotten, there's no grave concern. With Steve Phillips, uh, there seems to be a lot of positivity, positivity coming out uh, surrounding Yusei Kikuchi. And he's, he's pitched seven scoreless innings early into spring training. And this job is his. I think he was going to break camp as the fifth starter anyway, unless he got injured or was an absolute gas can because of the ticket and because there's really no competition. They're not going to rush a kid up. Mitch White's not the guy. He's banged up anyway. So you say he's going to do it. But i got to give him credit. All you can do is pitch the innings you're going to pitch, and you want to show up and feel good, look good. By all accounts, that has happened. Put this into perspective for us, Steve. Like, if he can balance this out and get it back on the rails and finish the season as the fifth starter, you know, a mid-four, high-four ERA, how big of a redemption story could this be for Yusei Kikuchi? Well, I think it's, it's great for Kikuchi, but it's even better for the Jays. I mean, but here's the thing. There's, there's two ways to pitch to a 4.5 ERA, right? You can Every game you start, go six innings and give up three runs and get a quality start, and give yourself a chance to win every single game. I'd love that guy. In fact, Framber Valdez you know, had 26 consecutive quality starts. Now, he had some games he didn't give up any runs, but if, if he does that for the Jays, where every time he goes out, he gives up three runs and six innings, he's going to end up with 18 wins because they're going to score, they're going to bullpen behind him, he'll do great. But you can also get to a 4.5 ERA by shutting somebody out for six innings one day, and then the next time, giving up nine runs in those six innings. And so, you know, and, the, and those peaks and valleys are the things that they have to avoid. It can't be greatness and then clunker because the clunkers have a lingering, lasting effect because they burn out your bullpen and they make you worse the rest of the week for all the other guys who are starting. And so it's just about consistency for him. He doesn't have to be perfect. But what happens is sometimes when he gets a runner on and a runner in scoring position, he gets this feeling like he needs to put up a zero 
where sometimes just giving up a, a one run in an inning or you know, giving up a picket sense of runs where you give up one run. Listen, give up four runs in six innings, and they'll take that every time out, really. I mean, that's not even a four-and-a-half ERA, but they take it because it's going to give them a chance to win. It's the, it's the five runs in the second inning where you're playing chase that really scares everybody away. So, listen, it, you're, I don't want to make too much of it either. It's early. Uh, these games don't matter. And, you know, there is something about when the lights get bright, when the season starts, that it does. You know, and it, it seems to me that much of his issues are mental and emotional and not really physical. Now, sometimes mechanics can get in the way, but usually the mechanics get out of whack when you're thinking too much or you're trying too hard or you're overthrowing or you're rushing to the plate or you're anxious. And so they just need consistency, stability, and calmness from him, and they've got a a chance to really, you know, if he can be that guy in the fifth starter with this rotation and Barrios can get back on track, this could really be a dynamic rotation. With Steve Phillips, so uh, we're again early in the spring, but we've we've got a number of games that have been played now, and the pitch clock has officially been implemented, and the clocks are all over the parks. You know, they're everywhere. You you can see it if it's in terms of fan engagement. You, you're not going to have a difficult time finding it. It's kind of interesting because over the history of baseball, a timeless sport, it's always felt like a Vegas casino, right? Like you had no idea what was going on. It was just 27 outs aside, and we'll see. But this is different. Yet the X's and O's of the game are still the same. Uh, how do you feel about it so far, Steve? And and do you feel like your viewing experience has changed at all? Oh, I I, I love the rule changes. I think it's going to be dramatic. It's going to take the game back decades uh, to the way it was played with the pace of play. You know, they had gotten up over four minutes between the ball being put in play. You know, each time the ball was put in play on average. And, it, and at one point, you know, in the 70s, it was like two and a half minutes before each ball was put in play. So that's a dramatic change to the game. And so the pace is going to change. The timing is going to change. There's going to be more base runners because they banned the shift. There's going to be more action on the bases. You're going to have more infield hits because the hitter's three and a half, three inches closer to first base. You're going to see more stolen bases because the runners on first are four and a half inches closer to second. The runner on second is four and a half inches closer to third. You're going to see more runs scored because the runner on third, three inches closer to home plate than he was before. Uh, pitchers can't throw over as much as they used to to first base. Uh, I think that it's going to speed up uh, the game for pitchers in a way that could cause them to make more mistakes. So I, I honestly think it is going to be, you know, I heard somebody say the other day, and this, you know, people are going to roll their eyes at it, saying whoever came up with the pitch timer should be a Hall of Famer. Well, Rob Manfred, these changes are going to dramatically change the game for the better. And it is something that will go on his resume is such a huge change and a huge win uh, because the game will become, I think, digestible much more in a fashion than, than enjoyable than what it has been over the last couple decades. All of the changes you just mentioned, the pitch clock and the, and the, the bases uh, being closer, all of that stuff, is it a huge adjustment for the players? Like, not everybody, but maybe guys who are more routine-oriented, even a pitcher that likes to take his time or likes to have a little bit more of a, a routine before they have to pitch? Yeah, it can be. You know, So, for instance, the slowest working pitcher in baseball last year was Kenley Jansen, the closer. He was in Atlanta, now he's in Boston. I don't know that Boston thought about it before they signed him. He has to shave off 10 seconds for every pitch with runners on base and with runners not on base. He was 10 seconds slower than he needed to be. Uh, he was 25 seconds with the run, nobody on, 
and he was 31 seconds with a runner on base. And so he really needs to shave time off. Uh, but I talked to him in spring training just a couple days ago, and he's like, hey, listen, I'm a pro. i got to make an adjustment. Not a big deal. You know, Max Scherzer, Madison Bumgarner, guys where the oldest guys are saying, I love it. It's great. It's a, it's a strategy. I can use it to my advantage right now. And when those players are buying in, it sure makes it hard for some young kid. Now, remember, most of the young players have dealt with these rules already at the minor league level. There's been pitch timers. In fact, the pitch timer at the minor league level is, is I think, five seconds uh, or three seconds uh, you know, faster. I mean, they, they had even less time in the minor leagues than what they're giving the big league pitchers right now. So many of them have done that. So, sure, there will be adjustments. Like I was talking to Larry Boa, a longtime Phillies coach, former manager in camp today, just a baseball lifer, still hitting ground balls and fungos at 77 years old. I mean, he looks great. Uh, he said the guy that he's concerned about a little bit is Bryce Harper. Because Harper, they, time, they watched some games. He was 40 seconds between pitches. Wow. You know, and he's got to get back in the box with eight seconds left on the clock. Now, he's out hurt right now. He's showing up in the camp tomorrow for the Phillies. Sure, there's going to be some adjustments, but get over it. You know what? These are the rules. Uh, it was negotiated. It's part of the CBA. The commissioner had the right to implement this. And, uh, and I think the players are buying in for the most part everywhere. And that's why spring training has been so good, because they've got time now to make mistakes, have violations, and learn from it. Yeah, and Otani's pretty slow on that mound too, man. Otani's pretty slow, so you know. Yeah, who wants that guy? I mean, geez, you know what? Forget it. We don't want him next year. No, then, right? I'm, I would shortchange him. There's collusion <laughs> yeah. for you. Give him yeah. ten million, one year deal. That's it. Sorry, Otani, yeah. you're gonna have to pay for it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun year. It's gonna be a fun year, and uh, we're almost halfway through March. I mean, it's coming, right? We're a month away from go time. Less than that. Always great catching up with you, Steve. We're going to do it a lot in the future. We look forward to it, buddy. Thank you for this. All right. Great to talk to you guys again. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Steve yeah. Phillips, our TSN baseball insider. And, uh, again, Jay's continuing to roll in spring training. The standings are completely irrelevant. But just try to stay healthy. Try to get uh, your your innings in, your, your hacks in, your defensive awareness up, and get ready to start on the road. Because Rogers Center, those rentals are coming, but they're not done yet. Yeah. And, you know that I wonder if if Shapiro can pull a Steve Ballmer about the toilets and you know what's that's what that's what Shapiro needs to do yeah. play the role of Steve Ballmer and set up shop at the Rogers Center and start yelling about all the new additions and how jacked up people should be you should be jacked up about the bar settings aren't they having didn't we talk about the little yeah the little Italy or different whatever, neighborhoods different, around town neighborhoods, I think that's exactly. the plan yeah I believe That'd be so awesome. I don't know. I'm looking yep. forward to it. Get down to too. some games and For sure. see how it unfolds. I yep. am so excited! Yes. He's <laughs> always so excited. Steve Ballmer's awesome. always excited. Um, all right, Leafs Devils tonight. We'll start teeing that up a little more. We'll get to our best bets. Brought to you by FanDuel Overdrive. Continues TSN 1050N on the TSN app. All right, Leafs Devils tonight. And no O'Reilly, no Tavares. You got Bunting playing with a couple of American Hockey League players. You got Riley with Lilligren. Lilligren back in the lineup after being a healthier for a couple of games. Luke Shen out. Gustafson out. It's going to be a lot of moving parts yeah, right down the stretch sure. here. And and certain guys you know are going to play, and other guys are going to have to fight and try to find their role. And uh, I'm curious. I, I got 34 circled tonight. I think I think Marner's going to show up. He's been consistent all year. I think he I think he'll play well tonight. I expect that. Matthews shouldn't need a bump. He shouldn't need a spark. Right. But no Tavares, now no O'Reilly. 
Like it's a big drop off after him, man. He's sure. he's got to play a lot of minutes and he's got to perform tonight. Yeah, I agree. It, it might be an opportunity for him to kind of go. All right, like you know, I've deferred to everyone else. Everyone, you know, Nylander's having a nice season. All of these guys, Marner, like maybe it's my turn here. Like just yeah. uh, you know, and all of the talk of like, oh, he's played the two hundred foot game and all of that. Like. You know, also, he's pretty darn good at producing, so it might be a night that he can break through and feel pretty good about his game. Right. How about both, right? I think the best players, that's expected. Yes, don't cheat defensively, but you didn't cheat last year and you still scored 60. Exactly. So that's a cop-out, the idea that, you know, well, still defensively sound. Of course he is, and he's supposed to be, and he should be. He gets paid to be that. That's your job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's also your job, and they're relying on you to be, the king of the county when it comes to you know producing offensively. Uh, yeah. Our best bets today are brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. We've spoken a lot about bunting tonight. He's paying plus 120 just to register a point. I'm not sure it happens five on five, but I think if he gets the message early, Keith will move him up, and he's still yeah. going to get some power play time. I think he responds tonight with at least a point. I think he gets on the game sheet paying plus 120. Stamkos, anytime goal scorer tonight, plus 164. They're at home against Philly. They have been getting roasted. Their coach has been carving them. I think the captain shows up tonight, right? I yeah. think that line shows up tonight. I think Stamkos gets on the game sheet. I think he scores at plus 164. In Calgary, Minnesota, big game tonight. I'm on the under. I'm on the under. Um, yeah. You know, the total six, you've got two teams that, that want to win one nothing, right? 2-1. You're thinking it's a 3-2 type of game, that yes. type, you know? Like, yes, that's what I'm basically telling you. Today's Best Bets brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. All right. Well, I'm bracing for NFL news all week. Yeah. I think this Rodgers stuff could come at any time. Lamar, there's a bunch of different stuff going on in the NFL world. So we'll track that. We got the Leafs in action tonight. We got the Raptors in LA tomorrow. It's going to be a fun week. So good yep. stuff. Thanks to everyone behind the scenes. As always, everyone for tuning in, radio, TV, podcast, web, whatever it is, we appreciate it. We're out of here. Enjoy your evenings. Enjoy the games tonight. We're back tomorrow at 4 p.m. We'll chat then.